I'm Kate. I'm an alcoholic and grateful for other programs. Good morning, everyone. Um, we're going to focus mostly today on our personal experience in this step. And we recognize very humbly that there are five chapters in the big book uh, that touch on step 12, working with others to wives, the family afterward to employers and a vision for you. And the 12 and 12, step 12 is very long. It summarizes all the steps. And then it talks about some of the things that we're going to encounter as we stay on the path, if we're blessed enough to get to stay on the path and stay sober and remain in Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever our program is. Um, my experience when I started working with my current sponsor, um, she said something to me that um, I think really is emblematic of the last five years of being in relationship with the steps and God and her. And what she said was when she started to take me through the steps, she said, I'm going to take you through the steps, not so that you have my experience, but so what is produced in you is your own experience of the steps. And then the experience that's produced will then become your reference point for how to live. And she said, I have had a deep and effective spiritual awakening as the result of going through the steps and I continue to. And, and so that was a shift to me from, you know, my kind of first 10 years of sobriety of really utilizing a sponsor for decision-making to when the book talks about um, deep down inside of you is this power and we're going to work on accessing the power steps two through 12 so that the power then becomes the reference point for how to live in the world. And, um, and, and it says in working with others on page 93 in the italics, when we're approaching a new person after we've made our approach and after we've talked in a general way and really talked about the hopelessness of the disease, it's so important that we talk about the hopelessness and the degradation and the, um, the brutality of our experiences and how low we've been brought. Then we can start to talk about the solution because we have one here and it says, Tell him exactly what happened to you. Spe stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. And so when Elizabeth said that to me, I guess I didn't really realize I was going to have my own experience and that that experience would then be something I could rely on in a way that was different than relying on human powers in AA. And now I would say is very different than relying on my own mind. And so as we talk about step 12 today, we're really going to focus on having had a spiritual awakening means to us, 
that we have been, we have crossed from, um, one kind of dependence to true dependence, to true reliance on, on something that's actually internal versus something that's external, like a person, like, um, I don't call Elizabeth if I'm not sure whether to buy the organic strawberries or the regular strawberries. Um, last night I was having some pain in my, um, some part of my leg and I got a suggestion to go to the emergency room and I called Elizabeth and I left her a voicemail and I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I was like, oh, but we pause, we pause when agitated or doubtful. And I pulled over, I paused. I I mean, I'd hung up the phone and I knew that God was going to tell me what to do next. And suddenly I remembered (laughs) that one of my four best friends is a critical care uh, physician who treats people in the ER. And I was like, huh, I guess I could call her and ask. I was like, oh, well, that makes it really, you know? And so, whereas before I wouldn't have known what to do if I couldn't get my sponsor on the phone, right? Like my sponsor knows, she knows. And so um, what what it says in working with others is is talking about we play our job is to place our sponsee's hand in God's hand, not to become the power for the sponsee. And it says on page 98, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well, regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trust in God and clean house. And um, I think I'm going to turn it over to Elizabeth. Thank you, Kate. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, alcoholic. Step 12, um, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, the steps we've done already, uh, we try to carry this message to other alcoholics or codependents or overeaters or Al-Anon, whoever, wherever you are, um, and to practice these principles, the principles that we just learned in the preceding steps to uh, in all of our affairs. And those were the chapters Kate was talking about, you know, and there's no way we could cover all of the information in the 30 minute session. So um, what I will say about working with others is that my sponsor was the one that told me when I was ready because if I waited until I was ready, I would have probably still not be sponsoring until I'm right in a thick or, you know, look a certain way or feel a certain way. Um, And so what I learned from that experience at nine months when Lauren, my sponsor looked at Chandler, her sponsor, and we were standing in, uh, in uh, 14th street at union square. And she looked at, uh, Chandler looked at Lauren and said, I think she's ready. And Lauren said, yeah, I think she's ready. And I'm standing there going ready for what? <laughs> they were like, you're ready for your first sponsee. And then I met, they introduced me to Janine and Janine was the first woman that I took through the steps. And that's basically, you know, my sponsor right now, Gwen is huge proponent of working with others and passing this on to other women sitting down face to face, or now we zoom to zoom, or sometimes we do it on the phone. Um, COVID has opened up a whole 
way of communicating with people. Now I sponsor people on the other side of the world um, just because like God, there's no vehicle that God doesn't use and the phone and WhatsApp and Zoom are all part of that now. And so what that basically meant at that time at nine months, and it's still the same now, is that I literally turn around and say, here's what I did for step one. Here's my experience. And then I do the same thing for step two and step three. And when I forget, because there were years where I was like, wait, what did I do again? How did I? And I have sponsees that are like, I don't really feel like I I can say it like you say it, or I can you know, wrap it up the way you wrap it up. And I'm like, you're not supposed to do it the way I do it. You're supposed to do it the way you do it. But I would call my sponsor and say, okay, now what again do I do for step one? And she was like, okay, remember we, I had you write this drunkalogue and then you wrote what you drank and what happened. And, and then as she read the drunkalogue, she, as I read it, she made a list of unmanageability and then handed me a piece of paper with like a hundred things on it. And I was just like in the empire diner in New York. And I'm like, wait a minute, all these things are unmanageable. I didn't know that not paying your bills on time was unmanageable. And so that's how I walk through it because I know that I am just a vehicle, right? What I did, I pass on. And then through the years, the more times I've gone through the steps and had different experiences with different sponsors, of course, I'm just continuing to share my collective experience, right? I can't transmit what I don't have. And so if I don't have the actual experience of doing it, well, then I can't, you know, I can't transmit that. So I just have to do it. It's the kind of thing like we talked about with meditation or prayer or, you know, doing the fourth step. We just have to do it. Like we don't have to figure out or think about what it's going to be like or how it's going to unfold. I just have to engage in the practice. I just have to be present, be, you know, willing And then in this working with others chapter on page 93 and 94, it tells me exactly what to do. It tells me, you know, let him ask you the question of how you got well. It tells me before that to talk about my episodes, you know, my bottoms, my, you know, when I was out there trying to control or drinking or whatever it was, let him draw his own conclusions. Like I'm not imparting any wisdom here. I've got a book. I literally can read these lines and then just do what it says. I think the main point for me is what Kate shared about, which is, um, you know, I'm not the power. I'm not the power. And there is a power. And it's definitely not a sponsor. And I have a sponsor now where if I go to her and I say, what do I do? Like, I just, I don't even know what to do. And I can, I can voice that. I can say it. I can share it. And she just listens and she's like, well, honey, I don't know what you should do, but I know God does, you know, (laughs) I'm like, but Gwen and thank God, right? Thank God for good sponsorship for women who know that there's a power and they're not it. Um. So, yeah, so it it goes in here. uh, I think we already read it on page 100. Um, it tells us the promise, right? If we keep trying, if we're, if we are willing, if we continue, if we persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we will realize that the things which come to us 
when we put ourselves in God's hands are better than anything we could have planned. And then I love this line, follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. The dictates, right? Think of that, a dictator. It's the book is telling us to follow the dictates of this power. Well, how do I know what this power is? My power, I can't see, touch, or feel, you know, this power. I sense it. There's a sensing that happens in my experience, but it doesn't just open up and verbally communicate to me in the English language. How do I follow the dictates of a higher power? And the essence for me in in the 12th step, and it says it in the 12 and 12, it tells us what a spiritual awakening is. It says that we're able to do, feel, and be, or or see in a way that we couldn't before, right? We couldn't stop drinking. We couldn't stop eating. We couldn't stop controlling. We couldn't stop. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have this many days strung together that I don't use the symbol, which is the way that the vision for you chapter ends. It tells us bottles are a symbol, right? The the partner's a symbol. The pizza's a symbol. What's the problem? And it's that disconnection. So by the time we get to step 12, the channel is clear and it comes down to deep listening for the dictates of my higher power, not the dictates of my spouse or my children or or my sponsor. It's for a higher power. And so what I do, what that looks like in a very practical way is when I sit in meditation and I do prayers and I have a process that I do throughout the day. If something comes to me that I believe I'm being led to do, I bring it to Gwen, my sponsor. And we talk about it. It's like, here's what keeps coming for me. And then she helps me, reminds me of my patterns. Like right now with my work, you know, she's reminding me, well, here's what you did all these other times. And I'm like, I know, Gwen, but this keeps coming to me. And she's like, okay, well, are you wanting to do anything right now? And I'm like, no, no, I just want to share with you that this keeps coming to me. And like, I don't have to go out into the world and blow stuff up or change things. We're having this dialogue of this, 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 these dictates that I believe are coming to me from something somewhere greater. That's not my mind. And my sponsor is open and willing to have the dialogue with me. And so it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And if, I mean, I think everybody on this call has a sponsor, but if you're listening later and you don't have a sponsor or in the book, they call them protégés. So it's like, a, we don't call them sponsees. They call them protégés, whatever you want to call it, a spiritual friend, somebody that you share all your intimate ick with you know it's such a gift to do that so definitely avail yourself of that because it's a tool that is really important all right Kate I'm going to give it back to you thank you Elizabeth I just feel like we have to talk about joy as I'm sitting here crying and there's I mean the joy of living is the theme of this step right my 12 and 12 just fell apart in my hand um right at step 12 isn't that funny and I was going to read this to watch the eyes of men and women open with wonder as they move from darkness into light, 
to see their lives quickly fill with new purpose and meaning, to see whole families reassembled, to see the alcoholic outcasts received back into his community in full citizenship, and above all, to watch these people awaken to the presence of a loving God in their lives. These things are the substance of what we receive as we carry AA's message to the next alcoholic. Um, so to be, I think I'll share an experience when I was, um, four years sober, I was going to graduate school and, um, I had written out the year before a a whole season of every single night in my nightly review. I was writing out the same fear over and over and over. And essentially it was just a fear of failure. I'm not going to score right. It's not going to be high enough to get into the school I need to go in. Um, Other people are going to see me fail. My home group is going to see me fail. And um, at the time I talked to an old timer and he said, and I said, I said, Bob, why won't God take this fear from me? I keep writing it out and I keep praying and I keep showing up and doing my job in AA. Why won't God take this fear away? And Bob looked at me and goes, you're supposed to do it scared. And so I went to grad school and every single day the fear was there. And as I tried to get good grades and perform and be little miss perfect, um, I, I just, I couldn't get rid of the fear. I couldn't, right? I had no power. But at the time I had four sponsees and the way that I sponsored at that time was they each had a call time. And so literally I'd get out of class and I would have this sense of just worthlessness and just inability to perform. And, but my phone would ring and all of a sudden it would be about her and her life and, you know, her marriage or her, um, her, her amends. And, and every single day was like that. And my sponsor at the time said, you know, Kate, when you're in grad school, don't think about not sponsoring your sponsees are going to get you through this. And that was my reality. And one of, and then when I finally graduated, not finally, I mean, I graduated in the number of years, the pictures of me on graduation day, my mouth is open because I didn't actually think that it would happen. I, it never occurred to me that I would actually finish, graduate and complete it. But it was almost like God was giving me this thing to focus on that I understood was actually more important, but was this thread that went all the way through my, um, my three years in that program. And honestly, it was more important to me. Like sponsoring was more important. Their lives were more important to me and more real to me than the mind's delusion about my, my impending failure. And I, 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 you know, we talk so much or we have talked so much about the importance of 10 and 11. And one of my favorite speakers, Scott R says, without 10, there is no 12. Like we absolutely have to continue to clear the channel as we get, as we get blocked, or if we're working with somebody and, and things come up for us and we get bumped in our wounds 
And, and that was true for me for the first few years that I sponsored and was really trying to take women all the way through the book and, you know, people fall off and people relapse and people lie. And it's like, oh, none of that's personal. So there are seasons of sponsorship of learning to not take things personally. Like Elizabeth talked about learning that nothing that a sponsee does has anything to do with me and they don't owe me anything. Nobody owes me anything. That's a lesson I learned in sponsorship of being in right relationship of, and, 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 and honestly having relationships with sponsees in the way that the big book talks about has taught me how to have appropriate relationships with people and what are appropriate things to say to sponsees and not appropriate things to say. Um, you know, what's the difference between bookending versus telling a sponsee what they can and can't do? You know, Elizabeth said to me once, yeah, the only thing funnier than um, you coming to my mind with your relationship question is you going to the only thing crazier than you going to your mind for a relationship question is you coming to my mind with a relationship question. I have no idea. Have you prayed and meditated about it? Have you written inventory? But to circle back the 10 and 11 of daily life can can we go through seasons where it's really hard to feel like the channel is clear and grad school was like that for me but because of 12 the 12 was more powerful than the blockages it just was because god was using me for something greater while the rest of me felt blocked off and wrong and that's the power of god you know, the power of the power is I'm going to use you because you've said you're willing to be used for me, no matter how you feel about it. And also like when we consent to this, we really have no idea what the journey is going to be with the sponsee or in AA. Um, yeah. Elizabeth. Thank you, Kate. Uh, you reminded me of two things. One, I don't know exactly where it is in the book, but it it's it asks us if we found a sufficient substitute for alcohol, food, whatever, drugs. Have I found a sufficient substitute? And then it tells me what the substitute is. It tells me the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and that we trudge, which means to walk with purpose together and so the question I would ask myself is, do I have this circle of, do I have a tribe? Do I have a group of women and men, people that are in recovery, like-minded, that are trudging shoulder to shoulder? You know, am I really sharing what's going on? Am I really, I know for me, even today, it's like, my mind tells me, oh, if you reach out to people, they're too busy. Or do you really have time for lunch with those, you know, from the women from your home group, because you got to do blah, 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 blah. It's so easy for, for me to get lost in not communing, connecting, feeling I'm good. I got this right. I don't, I don't need the extra meeting or the that that lunch with so and so, but there it is. My selfishness and self centeredness. <laughs> it arises and it arises again <laughs> and it arises again. And so, well, what if they need to have lunch with me? 
Or what if somebody else actually needs to connect? Or what if somebody else needs to see my presence at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting? Because in the 12 and 12, it tells me that that's how we do service. Our presence reassures others. And, and, and then it's like, oh, okay, let me call Dawn and, and Pat. Let me, let me see if they're available for lunch. Let me go to that noon meeting. You know, let me, get, let me go to another meeting. Let me go. And, and the beautiful thing about that is then I connect with women like, I down here is a big travel area. So like there's a lady recently that just heard me share in in our group and she asked me to do some work. And so like we started to do some work. She's on her vacation, you know, she's got like 30 something years sober and she's on her vacation and she's doing the work to clear the channel because she knows that she doesn't want to pick up whatever the her thing is. Right. For her, it was alcohol. And so and now she's gone back to the state she lives and she still calls me and we have this connection. And then yesterday I got a call from a lady in another state who has a lot of time, who was just like, you know, I just feel like I need a fresh perspective or a new conversation about the steps. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. Like three months ago, I called somebody in Houston to talk about work stuff because, and I don't know that lady. Cause she said it was so weird to call you. Like I've never seen you before. I, I just, a friend recommended I call you and here I am calling you and now we're talking. And I'm like, yeah, kind of is weird if you think about it, but we're not, that's what we do. That's what we do here. We, 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 we walk through that fear. Like Kate shared, Bob's so brilliant, right? I mean, you've got to do it fear you're supposed to do it afraid. So you feel a little weird. You feel like, eh, I'm probably going to bother them, but I'm going to call anyway. And I'm going to walk through that discomfort and I'm going to come out the other side. Like we were talking about with my sponsor who didn't want to come to this meeting today, but came anyway. Right. Because we all have this. It's not like we get to a certain place and then, whoa, there's no more self. No, it doesn't work like that. It's a practice. It's like, moment to moment but we come anyway and then we realize you know because experience has shown us we have our own experience to know that by the end of the meeting we're going to be completely different by the end of the conversation we're going to be completely different by the end of the lunch by the end of the whatever and so have I found my people right where's my self-reliance am I placing it down just for now. I don't have to place it down later. You can pick it up again later. And that's how I kind of trick myself sometimes. You could be self-centered later. Just right now, can you just choose God just in this moment? And the truth is, I can only choose God in this moment. And so God then gives me the grace and carries me through a day when I put my head on the pillow and I'm like, whoa, that was a good day. How'd that happen? I don't know. How would I get through grad school? I don't know. Right? This is this is my experience as well, the way Kate described it. So I want to bring us to the last page for the vision. OK, one page, page 164. And it says um, on one page 64 in a vision for you, it says um, God will determine that. So it says still, you may say, but I will not have the benefit of people that wrote the book, right? I will not have the benefit of having this fellowship that these original people have. And and our mind can still do that, as I just shared. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave.
He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. So wherever we are right now in this moment, what is the fellowship I'm craving? God will show me how to expand that, how to live into that, how to breathe and be into that. And then I love this line. It says, our book is meant to be suggestive only. I mean, the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous are saying, we realize we know only a little. We only know a little. God will constantly disclose to you and to us. So I have to be in conscious contact with God or there's not going to be any disclosing happening, right? If I want to start having new conversations, I have to be in the silence listening. I have to have a practice of stillness. Otherwise, I'm just recycling the same things that have always played between my ears my whole life. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. I just discovered this like six months ago. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be asking that every morning. I didn't realize that. Oh, there it is, right? God, what can I do for the man who still suffers? The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got, which is why we have to have our own experience. See to that, see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for all of us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults. And these are the steps right here. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Kate. I think uh, for our meditation today, instead of a question, we're going to do a quote. And the quote is from Clint H. And the quote is, one day, I hope you experience the feeling of totally abandoning yourself to God. And so as we do in this meeting, um, you can meditate on the words. You can say the sentence with your breath. You can count to four and do an inhale for four, an exhale for four. And again, the sentence is one day I hope you experience the feeling of totally abandoning yourself to God have a great meditation
That's five minutes. <laughs>